Welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am your host, Heather Hansen O'Neill, and I am excited to be back with you this week. I've got an amazing guest, but before I introduce her, let me share the quote of the day by Alfred Adler. Empathy is seeing with the eyes of another, listening with the ears of another, and feeling with the heart of another. Yes, our show today is on empathy, and our amazing guest is Christy Rubinett. She is a psychic medium and author who, at the age of three, predicted her grandmother's death. And when she was eight, the spirit of her deceased grandfather helped her escape from a would-be kidnapper. I cannot wait to hear some of these stories. Oh, my goodness. It would be decades after, though, until she embraced her fate, along with doing private sessions to a worldwide clientele for over 20 years. Christy teaches psychic development and paranormal investigating at local colleges. She lectures across the country and is a frequent media commentator via podcast podcasts, radio, television, including the ID channel, Destination America, the Travel Channel, Coast to Coast, and more. She is a published author to many books, including Embrace Your Empathy, It's a Wonderful Afterlife, Forevermore, Guided in Spirit by Edgar Allan Poe, Messenger Between Worlds, Higher Intuitions, Oracle, Ghosts of Southeast Michigan, and Michigan's Haunted Legends and Lore. My goodness, it goes on. You'll be able to get some more information about Christy in the show notes. There'll be some links on how you can reach her. But for now, let's just bring her on and say hello. How are you today, Christy? I'm doing great. How are you? I am phenomenal. I'm very excited to have you on here and pick your brain a little bit. What made you decide to write about empaths? Oh my gosh. I have, like like my bio said, I have been doing sessions for two decades and I have seen so many struggles from clients and, and from family members and others with regards to their gifts and a lot of times being misinterpreted as flaws or a curse Mm -hmm. and the struggles that they've endured through it. The book also talks about my own struggles that I had because I thought that being quote too sensitive unquote was actually a terrible thing, not realizing until I started to develop it, that it is a gift and it's not a superpower and it's nothing that, you know, we're going to get a cape to wear for, although that'd be pretty cool. Super unpacked. the gold Um, boots. (laughs) I know. Now I'm, now I'm rethinking that. Like maybe (laughs) let's do that. Like Sesame Street characters. But I really wanted to let people know that there were others that had a similar you know, gift and, and to help them realize that it wasn't a curse. And so I wrote this book in the beginning of the pandemic (laughs) and all of the crazy things that were happening and, and seeing all of these people that were struggling Mm -hmm. and really, I, I I didn't know when the book was going to come out. So it's been about two plus years, you know, that it had been handed over to the publisher, but Every timing, I think, is the right timing for this, this message. 
of helping heal and making people believe and, and hoping that they believe and work on knowing that their sensitivity really is a strength and it's not a weakness. Uh, you know, I wish that I had a, a resource like this when I was figuring out uh, and learning about what I, you're right, thought was my um, craziness or my um, deficiency, but right. it is in fact a gift to be an empath and I have come to embrace it, but it, it took me a little bit of time. Are, do you think that all empaths are psychic or do you think they have an element of intuition or is it not really related? I think it's very related. And what I like how I formatted the book, that sounds very ego. How I, why I love my book that you guys <laughs> It's okay. You can have ridiculous. a little ego here. <laughs> oh my gosh. That sounds terrible. But I, I, I think that one of the misconceptions with empaths is that there's a one size fits all. Mm -hmm. And so I change it up in describing the different empaths that there are, because I am the one that has a sign over her desk that says, I cry, but I'm still cool. Oh, so, I'm and, and I do, I, I cry, I cry in happiness and joy and sadness and anger and frustration. I am one of those. And <laughs> you will probably never be able to get that out of me. Like that is just why I put makeup on every day. I have no idea. I like, I stock in waterproof mascara is really what I should be buying into, but not every empath is a crier. Not every empath is me, not every empath is you. So I explain the differences in the empaths. And one of the empaths is the intuitive empath, which happens to be very psychic. And I think there's a psychic gift within each empath. But I think the intuitive empath tends to be probably the one that embraces their inner lie detector, you know, within. Oh, gosh, that is such truth there. I'm hearing myself in what you're saying, because I feel like I can instantly know if someone is being authentic, if someone is being truthful with me. And it's it's been something that whenever I didn't listen to my gut about it, that's when I got myself in trouble because yeah. I was trying to suppress what my I was really very keenly aware of. That's so fascinating. How many different, uh, I guess, is it classifications of empaths are there? Yeah. So there's several, and I kind of had to lump them in the mm. book so that the book wasn't, you know, war and peace or anything like that. <laughs> but we've got the intuitive empath, we've got the physical empath, and that's, that can be really hard on somebody too, because they can physically feel the emotions mm -hmm. or even the physical elements of somebody else. Even those that know that someone is lying can be very hard on someone, too, especially depending upon what career they've chosen, you know, to be in. If they're in law enforcement, it can be really frustrating and you can <laughs> get burnout real fast mm -hmm. with that. Um, there is the emotional empath, which I am also, there is the, now, now I'm forgetting my, oh, there's the earth empath, mm. which I had to sort of lump because there's those that are highly attuned to animals. Mm -hmm. There's those that are highly attuned to weather. Um, there's those that are highly attuned to the geography of a place. 
and they can feel the geography of a place. And um, there's so many different, you know, areas of, and I love that we are so unique in our own gifts, mm -hmm. which is amazing. So we've got the physical, the emotional, the intuitive, the earth. And then I also put a chapter in about the child empath, because mm -hmm. some parents give birth to children and they are empaths and they might not be empaths and they don't understand their kid or the teacher doesn't understand the kid mm. and that becomes a whole other thing and then there's another chapter on empaths and love because we love differently than a typical person loves mm. and we attract narcissists and users and I, I really wanted this book to be about finding that strength within oh. their gift. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. There's so many questions that I have. So I'll start with, do you have any suggestions if you are a parent to someone that you think is, if you think your child is an empath, like what do you suggest for them so that they can help the, the child understand that it is a gift and how to guide them and serve them? I think the most important thing for a parent to know is to not try to make them feel like they can emotionalize or, or emote out who they truly are. You know, so often we want to, to strengthen our child, mm. but there are differences in how we do that. And I know different generational, you know, in parenting and the programming of that parenting, I have, like, my dad is a military guy. Mm -hmm. So I was taught, you know, don't cry. I'll give you something to cry about. Right, like, you right. know, that was the generation that I came from. And yet I'm the generation of, you know, let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's gotta mm -hmm. be some differences, you know, in the middle and really knowing your child and listening your, to your child. And they empath kids end up having a lot of paranormal experiences and just not dismissing what they, what they're telling you, you know, and actually listening, putting the electronics down and spending that one-on-one -on -one time with them is going to make all the difference in the world. And this is going to sound bad, but parent your kid. <laughs> I don't, don't think necessarily, that sounds bad at all. I think that's excellent <laughs> advice, Christy. <laughs> I, I like, you don't have to be their best friend. You know, you don't have to be the drill sergeant. But parent your child. Don't assume that the school is going to parent them or the next door neighbors. Parent, you know, parent parent your child. I was re wasn't really parented, mm. and I think that that was a flaw. Thank goodness, you know, the empath kids tend to be old souls, and the problem with that is they end up parenting their parents. Oh yeah, hmm. and that brings a lot of burnout. So that's why I say parent your child, you know, even though you might be like, oh, they got an old soul and I can trust them. And boy, mm -hmm. you know, they've got this and like go to the PTA meetings and go to the parent teacher conferences and act like you're interested in your child's life. But, you know, I just, the, the phrase act like you, like I'm, I'm probably as an empath, way too interested in my children's life. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's, I think it's a generational thing, Heather, don't you think? It is, it is for sure. But you know what I would love, and this is completely selfish, but I would love if you have any tips to help 
preserve the energy of an empath to keep from absorbing some of the um, negative energy that's out there. What do you think? Do you have some suggestions for me? Yeah. So I, even in the, even in the child chapter, I include different crystals and essential oils, but I also include a lot of different meditations or exercises. I think some people squirm when they hear the, the meditation word. And, you know, one of my favorites, young and old, like it doesn't matter is, you know, putting the shield, make, make sure that you're shielded in a white light. You can change it to a different color. If, if you're like me and you like different outfit changes, you can make it pink <laughs> or yellow or orange, whatever you're feeling at the moment is completely fine. If you're feeling that excess residue, I really like calling on Archangel Michael or your guides or whatever Archangel you're feeling connected to. I always think Michael must be exhausted because we always call on him. <laughs> so there's other Archangels that we can call on to, but asking them to vacuum up the residue of emotions around the body, mind, and spirit. And because so often we're holding on to so much that we don't need to, that doesn't belong to us. And and asking, you know, them to continue to vacuum until we're starting to feel that energy that's not our own dissipate or disappear. And just knowing that the angels are here as much as we need them and they can heal us as much as we need that. But I, I, I teach, again, young and old, that as we brush our teeth and we take a shower and we brush our hair, we also need to make it a routine to put that white light or a shield of protection or, or a call up of the divine energies to help protect us. Now, that doesn't mean that yucky things don't get through, mm -hmm. but it does act as a screen door. You know, this is fabulous. I love this. It, you know, what a great visual, the vacuum uh, uh, idea is I, I, I just to it totally resonated with me. But then also, um, I love creating the shield as a habit, as a pattern that you do, like brushing your teeth, right? Yeah. Because what happens, um, I think for me a lot, is that I don't do that. And then something happens, and I'm, I'm in this place where I, I could have easily avoided feeling depleted by putting up the shield if I had done it as a consistent habit or pattern. So I think that is a great one as well. And you, I think intention is such another, you know, easy, powerful thing to do and setting an intention for the day, yes. you know, the affirmations that, you know, again, some people will roll their eyes with, but it sets the energy for the beginning of the day and something that you can go back to and imagining that positive energy from that intention. And it can be as, as easy as I am happy today, or I'm always in the right place today, or, you know, I'm healing somebody today, whatever. It doesn't have to be so complicated. We try to complicate things. My, my books are a little bit simple, not because I think that people are simple, but I think that life is simple. It needs to be simplified. Yeah. Because it, we do overcomplicate things. <laughs> I love the intention, setting the intention 
um, is always a wonderful idea because then you you draw the right opportunities to you as opposed to just going along and letting things happen. Fantastic. This is this is great information. Um, one more, like, I guess, request for a suggestion. And then I want to come back to the story with your grandfather. Um, but let's say in the in the you find yourself in the corporate world and you're an empath and it, things have gotten a lot better in this regard, but there's still a little bit of the you know, leave the emotion at home. So, so what do you suggest for for empaths in the corporate world? <laughs> it's why I'm not in the corporate world anymore. Have I? <laughs> um, I, and I actually, I was human resources in the corporate world. And so that was really interesting. That was really hard for me, mm. but I, I think it's important to not try to change yourself. I think you can grow yourself. I think you should grow yourself. But I am one that does not believe that you should harden yourself because then you do become ungrounded. Mm-hmm. I, I was the one that would run for the bathroom and cry and, and wipe my, you know, stained, you know, face and get back into a very masculine world and weather the storms, you know, that away. But I think that there is room for even empaths in the corporate world and that like attracts like. And so that's why it's so, it's the best thing for you to still stay with your identity because I'll give you all for instance. So I had a boss that did not like me. He's the one that hired me. He hired me to be the corporate cheerleader and it was supposed to help keep workers comp down because people were so miserable. Morale was so, so down. So I was the one that was supposed to cheerlead everybody back up, but he hated that. He just thought everyone should, you know, put their boots on and just do their job and, you know, be happy with what they were given. Mm-hmm. So it was making me miserable. I was changing myself and not, not happy at all. So as I was looking for a new job, I could hear from my guides were saying, but you know what, send him love because he's the one that needs love. Mm. And so every time he would pass my desk, I would send him sunshine, puppies, kittens, love, rainbows, like everything. And I would do it in my head. But every time I I would encase him in this love. And I noticed that like by day 10 to 20, his, his, he was talking kinder to me. He was taught, he was a little bit more lighter in his step. He wasn't so disgruntled all the time. And about 40, 50 days in, he had this uh, meeting with everybody and he looked at me and he said, what have you done to me? What spell have you put on me? And I'm like, I'm Lutheran. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) And he goes, every time I pass by your desk, I feel lighter and happier. And I said, well, I've just been sending you love because you obviously have needed it. And he said, thank you. And so, but what happened was not only did it change him, it changed me because I stopped clenching my jaw and tensing up every time, you know, he called a meeting or he walked by me. And that is that intention too. So it actually, I was grateful that it was healing me as much as it was healing him. So I know that sounds like a sort of an unusual technique in the corporate world, but if you're having problems with somebody, Mm -hmm. send them love. 
I think it's brilliant. I mean, I, I've done this with some of my clients where I, if they're struggling with a relationship, just having them focus on something positive about the other person for a period of time and then expressing that appreciation and things change without the other person even knowing that they're doing that. And so I think that that in, comes back to the intention and the power that you have to send that love out can change someone. I think that is true. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. All right. I would love to hear this story. So what happened with this would-be kidnapper? Oh my gosh. So I was about eight years old at the time and my grandfather had unfortunately been murdered. Mm -hmm. And so he had passed away and he was my person. Mm -hmm. he, he was my person. So at the cemetery, he was standing against a tree smoking a cigarette like he would have done in life. Mm -hmm. And he was watching his funeral. And I ran over because to me, I see spirits. They look very flesh and blood to me. They don't look Casper the Friendly Ghost like. Mm -hmm. And I gave him a hug and I couldn't believe nobody else was seeing him. And he said, Christy, I will always protect you. I will always be there. You need to be there for your mom. And um, but I am gone. So he, you know, let me know. You know, I am not in the flesh and blood. I'm in the spirit. He gave me a hug and he walked towards his grave and he disappeared like something out of a movie. And so a couple of weeks after that, my dad's love language is if he buys you a gift, then everything's all right. So he took my mom on a shopping spree. And so he they set me in front of a fountain in front of the store that they were shopping at and they probably were hardly even in the store when this man came up to me with a camera and asked if he could take my picture. Now as a mother and a grandmother, I think that is the craziest thing. I was told not to talk to strangers. Still to this day, I don't know how this happened, but this is how people can be so conniving. I said, of course. And I, he took a photo. He asked if I could stand up. I stood up. He took another photo. And before I knew it, he was dragging me towards the exit of the mall. Mm -hmm. And as we got to the door, it happened so fast and yet in slow motion. And I felt my grandfather's energy around me. He smelled like the cigarette smoke, but the would-be kidnapper did not. And I felt my grandfather touch me on the shoulder. And then he said, Christy, run. And I felt a push away from this man that was trying to take me. And I did. I ran and I got my parents and we got the police and filled out a report. And I told my parents who weren't at all thrilled with my gift mm -hmm. that, you know, it was grandpa that saved me. And, you know, they never questioned me. They really they believed me from that time on, which was gratifying. But I firmly believe that it was my grandfather that saved me. And because of that, it's where I am right now. It took me a little while. I had some speed bumps along the way, but um, it made me realize that heaven wasn't so far away and that they really are with us and that they are, you know, not always in a 911 sense of things, but they help us along our life journey and we just have to stay open to it and they're not locked away in some far away heaven, like I was taught to believe in my parochial upbringing. And so, I, I, I love my grandfather. He is still my person. I get to see him every once in a while, not as often as I'd like. And I'm just so grateful because he's led me to this journey. And because of that, I help with missing persons cases and cold cases with law enforcement all around the world on a voluntary basis, non-charged. 
How gratifying. Oh my goodness. What an amazing story. And, you know, to be able to have you be like from that, come to embrace your gifts and then share them with others is, is just so beautiful. I can't, you know, I have so many other questions for you, but of course, 30 minutes is like, gone. And I want people to be able to find out how they can reach you, um, how they can get your book. Tell us a little bit about your book and anything else that you want people to know. Oh, thank you. Sure. My website is my name. So it's christyrobinette.com, K-R-I-S-T-Y-R-O-B-I-N-E-T-T.com. My books are available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere books are sold. And the new one came out in February and it is called Embrace Your Empathy, Make Sensitivity Your Strength. And I really hope it will be a handbook for anybody that has ever felt alone in this crowded world or felt that nobody else understood them because because you are understood and you are loved. And I really hope that we can unite in that way of knowledge and growth. I love that, Christy. I'm going to definitely grab your book and it sounds amazing. Uh, And don't worry, folks out there, if you're driving, if you're listening and you're not in a place to write everything down that Christy said, we'll have those links for you in the show notes. If you found this to be a fascinating episode, share it with a friend. They may like it as well. Leave us a review. We love and appreciate those. Thank you so much. And Christy, thank you. Thank you so much for your openness and your tips and your great stories. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. I wish you the best. Thank you. 